What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan Patemri, and welcome back to yet another episode of Top Shelf. Lots and lots going on as we are now less than a week away from the trade deadline. We're going to discuss the debut of Eric Stahl with the Montreal Canadiens, the impact of the Vancouver Canucks and their COVID list, and how it's going to affect the NHL going forward into the playoffs, and lots and lots of trade rumors. So let's just hop right on in to yet another episode of Top Shelf. All righty. So first, last week we discussed the Eric Stahl trade, which I viewed as a win for the Canadians, despite people thinking that they overpaid for him. Um, in Stahl's debut, he centered the third line with Druin and Toffoli out on his wing. Um, in this game, he got his debut goal in overtime on a snipe underneath the blocker side arm of the goaltender against the Oilers. It looked to be almost an identical goal to that of his goal against Marty Brodeur in the first game, or excuse me, in the first round of game seven up against the Devils, where they scored two goals in the last 80 seconds to go on and take the lead and win that playoff series. If you don't, if you remember that, it, was, it, it looked almost like the exact same as that. Um, now, obviously, we can't judge a player just based on their first game. Otherwise, a ton of players would be considered bad just based off their first game performance. But this is a promising start, and I really feel like this was a very good trade for the Canadians. Uh, Stahl may be a bit old, but he was never the type who was going to kill you with speed. And he's a big-bodied guy who can do what you need him to do. And I think him centering the line with those two snipers, with Tyler Toffoli and Justin Druin out on his wings, I expect him to rack up some assists throughout the end of the season. In addition, also, Eric Stahl doesn't really, like, shake up this entire Montreal Canadiens team. Like, he's, he's not, like, this huge, like, player that's going to, like – completely change the way that your team plays. Um, and if you look at m most teams who end up do making a deep playoff run or even win the cup, they don't really make a, a move for like a superstar player. They normally have a very good team already in place and add in pieces to solidify themselves. If you just take a look at the Tampa Bay Lightning who added a couple of depth players last year to help solidify their team and take home the cup. Now, Montreal is a very solid defensive team, and I don't doubt their abilities to beat really any team out there right now. If Carey Price can get hot for the playoffs, the Canadians become kind of a dark horse for the cup, in my opinion. Honestly, I could see them coming out of that North Division as the top team. I think right now still the uh, Maple Leafs remain the top team to beat in that division with their offensive Superpower. I think I I, I would pick the Canadians over the Leafs right now, like in a seven-game series. I think the Canadians would have the Leafs number. Um, you also got the Edmonton Oilers, who right now don't seem like a cup contender to me. And then you have the Winnipeg Jets, who are on and off. It depends on the play of Hellebuck and depending if they make a trade in the upcoming days for a defenseman. I like the Montreal Canadiens a lot, and it hurts me to say say this, but they've been one of my favorite teams to follow and watch so far this season. Um, and with no moves being made from any other teams, I personally like them as my pick to come out of the North. 
not not necessarily come in first place in the North Division, but if they make it into the playoffs, I expect them to make a lot of noise. Um, so moving on, we're going to go into another team in the North Division who I hadn't mentioned yet, but they would have been competing for a spot in the playoffs this year, in my opinion, but have kind of had an off season. Uh, they lost a couple of players. It's the Vancouver Canucks. Um, they, they had been in the headlines recently now with having 18 players who were added to the COVID-19 protocol list. Now, this is an extremely high number and the highest we have seen um, of any team in the NHL this season. The Canucks had four games postponed through this last week to April 6th. Uh, due to COVID protocol, the Canucks have actually not played since March 24th. That's two weeks now. Um, there's worry that the later we get with these postponements that some teams might not be able to complete their entire schedules. Uh, to that, I would say this is unfair and that teams shouldn't be punished for not doing anything wrong. So the teams that had to face up against the Vancouver Canucks, like the Edmonton Oilers who were supposed to play two games against them, um, I don't think that they should be punished not having a complete schedule. I believe if the games are ultimately canceled and can't be postponed, that the team that caused that cancellation should be forced to forfeit the game. And the team who is on the other side of that would receive two points in compensation in return. And if there's a chance where there's a game where both teams have players out to the COVID protocol and they're not able to complete the game, I think both teams because of the cause of, or the cause of the cancellation that the game should count as a loss for both the teams. Um, this, this would allow for everyone to like quote play the same amount of games. Like it would be listed that they had the same amount of games, even if they didn't play the same amount of games. Um, I just, I think that would be the best way to do it. Um, uh, another way they might do it is just based on percentage, but uh, I'm kind of back and forth on this because I don't know if I consider that fair. Like what if a team played six more games than another team and you're going to go off percentage? I, I don't really know. I would say it's unfair because let's say you have a team who hasn't played the worst team in the division and has had, has let's say we're like the North, let's keep it with the North. Let's say we have the Oilers, right? And they don't play up against the Senators as much as the Jets play against the Senators. So they get a worse seed because of that. Like, I wouldn't consider that fair, but at the same time in a normal schedule, you don't really have the same schedule. Not everyone has the same strength. So I kind of understand that as well. I just think in the circumstances, I think that would be the best option. I don't know what the NHL is going to do as their choice, but that's just my opinion. Um, and there's also another reason why I, uh, this is another reason why I think the playoffs would be better um, if suited in a bubble. Now, I know this is unlikely to happen because they want to have fans to attend games so they can make some money off it because, you know, the NHL needs money this season with not having fans. They've definitely lost a large amount and are definitely losing more money on the season than they are going to get. Um, and yes, I agree that fans do make the sport so much more, so much better. But I, I feel like the emphasis should be more on the most important part, which is getting the season completed. And um, I, I'd like to say that given the scenario that um, 
we are currently in, if a team fail, falls into protocol and you have to wait a week to play that next game, what does that do to the other teams? So like if you're in a playoff series and a team is entering game one and they enter protocol and now they have to miss a week, which could be three to four games, which could be a complete series for another team now. Uh, this, these other teams have to wait till they end their series. And now we're going to be waiting on them to start the series. And that's going to be a huge break. And on one hand, yes, that can be helpful in the playoffs for a team to have a huge break. But on the other hand, they don't say hot. I don't, I, I personally think a bubble, it worked last year. There was no cases last year when they did a bubble. And I think it worked. And I think it should be implemented again for the playoffs. However, probably unlikely they want to have fans. And I, I get it because it didn't feel the same last year. And definitely having fans in the stands for the playoffs would be important to get that kind of atmosphere. But, like, if you want to get through it with no bumps or whatever, um, I think a bubble is a better option. And I'm still un uncertain how um, in interdivision uh, playoffs are going to work. I know we don't have to – worry about that till the the semifinals of the Stanley Cup but I, th I don't think the NHL has come out and said anything yet and I'm really curious as to what their plan is going to be it seems like they're really they're probably talking about it but they're probably waiting till last minute to make a decision I'm sure they have multiple options that they're looking at and could apply in different situations so I guess we're just gonna have to wait a little longer to hear how that's going to play out so as we're approaching the end of the season, I want to take a little bit look in on the Calder race with the rookies this year. Now with COVID, we've seen many rookies through this season. The Calder favorite is, of course, Kirill Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild, who has spent a couple of years out in the KHL before making an NHL debut. Now Kaprizov is 23 and was selected in the fifth round of 2015 NHL draft. That was the same year we saw Connor McDavid get selected first overall, which seems so long ago. But yes, that's when Kaprizov was drafted. And now he is a rookie as McDavid is leading the league in points. Um, uh, Kaprizov has been well worth it for the Minnesota Wild. I think they will say that in waiting on him and for his development will be well worth it for them. Um, they were a subpar team looking for that star studded player. The Wild joined the NHL back in 2000-2001 season. Um, they haven't had a lot of big name talents. Uh, they had the likes of Marion Gabrick and Miku Koivu, and Koivu is probably their best player of all time. And he actually retired this season. We discussed that on a previous podcast, and he will probably be the first number into the rafters for uh, the Minnesota Wild, but Kirill looks like uh, he's probably going to be the center core that they build this uh, team kind of around. Um, on the year, he has 14 goals and 31 points, which both leads the Wild and all rookies. He's also tied with rookies in assists. Um, he's really injected himself into this lineup and injected a lot of energy. I've talked a lot about him. I love watching this kid skate. Um, he's an amazing player and Hopefully it will be amazing for the future for this Minnesota Wild team. Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars is someone who's been surging and making himself a dark horse candidate for this Calder Trophy as of recently. Now the second rounder was drafted back in 2017 and has eight goals and 16 assists on the season so far. He ranks second in points among all rookies, trailing only, of course, Kaprizov. Um, he has snuck up on me. Uh, I hadn't really heard much of him and probably many of you as well are probably thinking who is this kid well he 
He had a slow start in January. Um, he didn't really get as much playing time. Kind of, it was getting under 10 minutes of ice time, um, but has been on line with uh, Joe Pavelski and Rupe Hintz, uh, logging quite the ice time now. Uh, with Sagan's been out all season due to injury and Radulov recently getting injured. Um, his production has really surged uh, on a Dallas team who tend to be more defensively focused. He may be, may lack a bit in that defensive category, though that's something you kind of have to sacrifice with a rookie. He's going to learn over time and in order to get that production offensively. Robertson's rookie com- campaign could kind of slow down and come to an end if we see Sagan and Radulov start to join and come back into the stars as he's been quite impressive this season for the team. Uh, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see what happens. And who knows, maybe he'll continue his production. But he, he's edging up on close on to Kaprizov and has really flew under the radar to me and probably many other people in the NHL. Another player who might not be getting all the looks he should be is defenseman Keandre Miller. Now, Miller does only have eight points on the season and has but has been tremendous for this Rangers team this year. He was the 22nd overall pick back in 2018, and he is currently a plus 12, which leads all rookies currently. And he also averages 20 minutes and 45 seconds time on ice this season, which that's like about third of the game, which I think is pretty good. Uh, for a rookie defenseman, uh, the six foot five uh, Miller has 60 hits, 46 blocked shots, and 21 takeaways on this season. And for a big man, he really does have a good set of feet and can skate extremely well for his size. Um, Miller has actually drawn a lot of comparisons to that of the Hall of Famer Chris Pronger, which I'm sure any team would love to take. And I think the Rangers are going to be very happy with his production. And I think he'll be a great defenseman for the future for them. I don't think he's going to win the call there this year, but I think he's just a great defenseman that was honorable to mention. Now I could keep going on and on about many more skaters like Stutzla or Suter who have impressed, but I want to give some rookie goalies a shadow as I think I haven't really given them enough credit this season um, Blackhawks goalie Kevin Lankinen came a bit out of nowhere after moving Robin Lehner last year at the trade deadline to the Vegas Golden Knights and saying goodbye to longtime tender Corey Crawford, who was a part of the Blackhawks dynasty. He went off and got signed in free agency and then ended up retiring. Now Lankinen has stepped in to help this young Blackhawks team who have come out and played amazing and impressed everyone. And uh, he has a record of 14, 10, and 4 on the season with a 0.918 save percentage and 2.69 goals against. Uh, Blackhawks may have found their future goaltender to replace Corey Crawford, but I guess we're just going to have to see if he can keep up his rate. But he's been having a great, phenomenal rookie season so far for the Chicago Blackhawks. Now over to the Capitals who have had a surprise and another young goalie who was unexpected to make a big push this year. And now after losing Samsonov, who was expected to be the goaltender, they moved on from Braden Holt to be to open the way for Samsonov to take over. Now Samsonov got onto the COVID protocol list quite early and Vitek Vanacek has wasted no time whatsoever as he has a record of 15, seven and three and a 0.911 save percentage and 2.64 goals against. Now Vanacek has helped this Capitals roster to reach the top of the East division, the struggle is probably going to mainly come at the end of the season for this Washington Capitals team as they 
we have the Seattle Kraken who are going to be joining the league and thus have an expansion draft. And in this expansion draft, they will only be able to select one goalie to protect. Now, Samsonov looks like he will probably be the goalie that gets protected. They look like they want to move on with him for the future. Um, however, we could see that uh, Washington provides a compensation pick, some like third rounder or second rounder in order for the Seattle Kraken not to select either of their goalies. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see on that though. Now the final goalie I am going to be discussing is the rookie Capo Kakinen of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Wild already knew that they were going to be adding in Kaprizov this year and he was expected to make a good push this year as a top candidate for the Calder. Uh, what they didn't expect was to find themselves with a rookie netminder who could also stick around for the future. Kakinen has a record of 12-6-0 and in a .920 and a 2.34 goals against. Now Kakinen has appeared to be the best goalie out of these rookies, and uh, if he picks it up, he could have a chance, but it's kind of unlikely that he's, we're going to see him win the Calder. The last goalie to win the Calder was Steve Mason back in 2008 and 2009 season. Um, goalies have it harder with the, they don't really get as much of the appreciation as the skaters do. The skaters get to score the goals and make the crazy plays and the goalies are just sitting there in the goal. But I shouldn't just say sitting there in their goal. They make some phenomenal saves, but it just seems that skaters get more recognition. But who knows? I guess we'll have to see how the Wild pick it up. And if they if they have a good push and Kakinen starts winning a lot of games and pulls his stats up a bit, you never know what could happen. So now we're going to move on to the trade rumors in the NHL. Now, on April 4th, Kyle Palmieri was sat out of the Devils game because of precautionary reasons of a potential trade coming for him. He has 17 points in 34 games so far this season. Palmieri, who I thought was maybe going to be held on to by New Jersey, seems to be like he's considering other options. He is a pending UFA this offseason. And according to reports, there is no agreement that is going to be found between both Palmieri and Devils. Um, the Bruins seem to be a top option for Palmieri. Uh, he was linked with them last trade deadline as well, with the Bruins struggling in depth scoring and needing a wingmate for Krejci. Palmieri's 200-foot game could fit in perfectly to this Bruins roster. Another contending, uh, another contender, Ian Palmieri, is the Colorado Avalanche. They have a primarily left-handed team, and Palmieri would add that right-handed shot to them. And he wouldn't really put much of a dent into the Avs asset pool. They have a surplus of prospects and picks and could easily match New Jersey's demand without giving up too much of their future. And the final team I'm thinking about is the New York Islanders, who have shockingly run through this East Division and with Barry Trotz's defensive coaching style. And uh, he could help replace the absent of Captain Anders Lee, who will be out for the season. Palmieri was also born on Long Island and has a home there. So maybe that could contribute into this trade and maybe a potential permanent stay with the cup contending New York Islanders. Another player who was just set out last night due to precautionary reasons for a possible upcoming trade was Taylor Hall of the Sabres. 
Now, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but uh, I've discussed Taylor Hall many times. And um, while I don't value him as highly as um, other players, he's he's still a very solid player. Um, now, I know we've discussed Taylor Hall quite a lot in his current situation, and everyone's talking about Taylor Hall and where he's going to go. He's been linked to so many teams. It's ridiculous. Um, Right now, uh, the coach said that uh, Coach Granto said that they were unsure of what's to come with Taylor Hall. Um, this might mean that he's just a scratch, just in case a team makes a trade for him. It's not certain that a trade a trade will be happening with him, but they just want to make sure that he doesn't get injured or anything. So they'll probably send him out until Monday, and if he doesn't get traded, then they'll continue to use him and play him. Um, there's definitely a buzz around. Taylor Hall's name, though, uh, two teams that are potentially eyeing down Paul Mary, and we'll kind of look at Taylor Hall is the Bruins and the Islanders. Now the Bruins, once again, who are looking for that second line winger to solidify their top six, might make a move for Hall to make that deep playoff push and add some scoring in a line mate for David Krejci. Now the Islanders, who I mentioned, are looking for that Anders Lee replacement. Now, obviously, Taylor Hall's not a direct replacement for Anders Lee, but it's a forward replacement. And the Islanders have kind of been in search of that goal-scoring winger, which Taylor Hall could be for them. And while Hall doesn't seem to fit the kind of style that the New York Islanders really play, like he doesn't really fit that scheme, I do think he could still fit in quite well with the, the New York Islanders. The Maple Leafs have also been linked uh, to Hall despite cap issues, uh, as I've mentioned before. However, recently, Alex Galchenyuk has really played well on that left wing side with Tavares and Marner, which is kind of the category that they're eyeing as their big issue, as along with another defenseman. Um, with him playing well as their second line left winger, it seems unlikely that they're going to be making a move for Hall, but probably more eye another defenseman. Um, and the final team is the Edmonton Oilers, who horrifically traded Taylor Hall straight up for Adam Larson in one of the worst trades of all time. Now, the Oilers, who are probably in a playoff spot now and are in need of help for McDavid and Dreisaitl, could reunite with that of Taylor Hall. Now, recently, excuse me, now recently we had another trade. On April 2nd, we saw that the Chicago Blackhawks acquired Vinny Hinestroza in exchange for Brad Morrison. Hinestroza, who had played three seasons with the Blackhawks, was selected by them in 2012 and has returned now. He only played nine games for the Panthers this season and had no goals nor assists. Uh, Hinestroza is a kind of small pickup this Blackhawks team who can stick with him or move on from him next season. He'll be a UFA, so they can really do whatever they want. Uh, this will hopefully bolster their playoff push and competition for the fourth spot that they're competing with the Preds for. Now the Panthers received Brad Morrison, a center who was selected back in 2018 by the, uh, excuse me, LA Kings and has yet to make his NHL debut. He has five points in six games in the AHL so far, and he's going to be in his final year of his entry-level deal and will become an RFA at the end of the season. So really not a big loss for the Panthers, and they're gaining Brad Morrison, who's a prospect who they can decide to keep or not. He and so was probably going to move on next season from the Panthers um, and didn't really do much for them and wasn't sticking in the lineup. Um, and for the Blackhawks, he adds in some depth and has played with this organization and could be a solid player if he can get himself going. 
Now with the trade deadline coming up on Monday, expect a lot of rumors to be flying around and lots of trades to be breaking. The Jets are a team who have been questioned as to whether or not they're going to be making any moves to solidify their defense. It has not been ruled out yet that they will be a move at the deadline for these Winnipeg Jets. Um, the team would be looking to target a defenseman in the likes of either Mateus Eklund or David Savard, who are the two most popular demons who are linked with a trade. Now the Predators are competing for that fourth spot in the Central with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, if they want to make a push or not, is up to them, which means Eklund's price would probably be higher than that of uh, David Savard. So with the Columbus Blue Jackets looking more of sellers, David Savard might be a better target for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so other potential players we might be seeing moving around this year's tread deadline. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but Sam Bennett of the uh, Calgary Flames, who asked for a trade request, Dustin Brown of the Kings, Patrick Marlowe of the Sharks, Brian Getzoff of the Ducks, and Anthony Mantha of the Red Wings. So that's where my final trade talk is going to end for this season. Now we will be reviewing next uh, any remaining trades next week, but there won't be any more trades to be made. Um, so now it's time for my three stars of the week. So at number three is Matthew Barzell, who had three goals and three assists for six points and a plus six in the last three games for the New York Islanders, where they went 3-0. Now Barzell at one point had uncertainty with his future with the Islanders and has started to cement himself into their lineup as that top center and their potential franchise player. He had a higher light reel 200-foot end-to-end goal against the Capitals and nabbed five points in that game, including a hat trick. At number two star is Brad Marchand, who had five goals and four assists for nine points and was a plus six in the last four games for the Bruins, where they went to one and one. Now, the Bruins have struggled with scoring this year, especially depth, and rely heavily on Brad Marchand. He scored a hat trick against the Penguins in their 7-5 win and provided an assist on all of Bergeron's hat trick goals last night and even added a shorty to his long tally, marking his 28th of his career. And finally, at number one is Artemi Panarin, who had three goals and five assists for eight points and was a plus three in the Rangers' last three games where they went to 0-1. Artemi Panarin, who had to take a leave of absence earlier this season because of the allegations against him, has wasted no time coming back. A very talented and important player to this Rangers roster who are trying to make a long stretch for the playoffs. If Panarin had to leave... Uh, hadn't excuse me if he didn't have to leave he could actually be atop of the nhl in points as he sits second in points per game with 1.48 only trailing that of Connor mcdavid who has 1.64 uh so finally to close out the episode we're gonna have our league leaders as we always do Kirill Kaprizov, as I mentioned earlier, continues his Calder performance with the most points sitting on 31. McDavid continues to dominate the league and leads in assists and points with 42 assists and 64 points. Austin Matthews extends his league in the goal tally, going up by five goals over Connor McDavid now has 27 goals on the on the year to lead the league. And Victor Hedman has now been tied with Adam Fox of the New York Islanders with 36 points to lead all defensemen. Peter Mrazek, who now returned from injury and is playing once again, has a goals against average of 0.99 and a save percentage of 0.962, which leads all goaltenders. Philip Grubauer of the Colorado Avalanche sits alone still with five shutouts on the year. 
and Grubauer has edged out Vasilevsky now for sole possession of most wins in the NHL with 24. So that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in as we discuss Eric Stahl's debut, COVID issues through the league, and how it's going to impact furthermore into the playoffs and the craziness that we could be seeing in the next couple of days and on Monday's trade deadline day. Next week, we will view the trade deadline day and assess every trade, no matter how many trades there are. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.